Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to the Two Guys at a Mic Show Residue Tuesday here on the big show, TalkZone.com Residue Tuesday, where, of course, we pick up some of the residue, the seepage from the weekend that was one hour show yesterday. Plenty we did not get to talk about. We'll try to pick up the pieces and uh, give you a chance to recap and review the Super Bowl and some of the other stories out there on a beautiful, beautiful Tuesday here in the fine city of Chicago yesterday. Yesterday we talked to the big dog, and uh, he was pumped up over the Super Bowl, no question about it. But you could tell there was a little bit of depression, a little bit of concern, a little bit of fatigue in the voice, knowing that the football season was over and he'd have to wait eight months until the next game unless you count an appearance at one of the mini camps, which will probably be starting at about, uh, I think the Bears got one about two hours from now. But anyhow, the big dog a little bit down. We'll try to pick him up today. Let's welcome in my good partner checking in via. The telecommunicative phone lines out in Aurora, Illinois. Big dog, Joel Radwanski. Big dog, it's day two without football. How you holding up, my friend? Well, there's nothing like the first Tuesday at 10 a.m. The first <laughs> Tuesday of the month at 10 a.m. Because the, the, the air raid sirens are going over everywhere. You know, for the first two seconds that I always freak out and be like, oh, no, the end is near. And then I realize, oh, it's just <laughs> the first Tuesday of the month. Yes. Don't yeah, forget, so the end The end will not hit until December 21st this year. So you still got a good, solid ten and a half months to enjoy things. You know, I'm not worried about that. You realize the end isn't there, Coach. The more you keep saying you're not worried about it, the more I tend to worry. I'm worried about the lunatics that are too dumb, and all of a sudden they haven't planned anything out, and like all of a sudden there's an earthquake on December mm-hmm. 19th. You know, like a, a magnitude 2.4 somewhere in California, and they freak out and say the world's going to end. Are you worried about the fact the NFL has only put out like an 11-week schedule next year and the season basically there's no game scheduled after December 21st? Does that concern you? Well, no, no. I'm extremely happy about it because knowing the Bears, they how they play in December perennially, I have no problem mm-hmm. with that. If the season usually ended on November 30th, the Bears would have been NFL champions more than nine times. Probably more like 19 times. <laughs> Does it worry you that some high school teams out there have scheduled their senior night for December 19th, even though the actual season is not scheduled in until February 28th? That's, that's not bad, Coach. Actually, I, I do. I would appreciate that. Just get it over with at the beginning of the year. Yeah. You know, especially for those kids that don't want to play all season. They just wanted to have the uniform on so they mm-hmm. could just wave to their friends and say, hey, I'm on the, I'm on the, <laughs> the gymnastics team. Which, you know, that's. That's why they do that, Coach. I can see it now. We're already, uh, you know, ad nauseum into the commercials that make all of us at the mail facility a little bit guilty as Valentine's Day is nearing. I can see it next year, Big Dog. I can see it coming. Like in November, there's going to be commercials, you know, get your Valentine's gifts now because you never know, you know. We might not see February 14th. December 21st could be the end, so send your flowers now. I can see the uh, marketing campaign already. Yeah, sweetest day in October. Yeah. This is the last time you're ever going to see her, so yeah. you might as well, uh, you know, do, do those things that she only does once a year. Yeah. Try to get her to do it twice a year. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, Coach? <laughs> uh, celebrate, celebrate, celebrate to the, or dance to your heart's delight, right? 
Yeah, yeah. When you talk about like uh, Valentine's Day and having to get something for your significant other and all uh-huh. that other stuff, yeah. You you used to play on our old show this thing with Ray Romano, and he used to talk about relationships, <clears throat> and he used to talk about whenever his wife would do certain things for him, mm-hmm. he would realize that it was oh oh you know like oh yeah. when certain things would happen <laughs> to him oh it's it's time to pay my quarterly taxes yeah. And then every once in a while, he would get something. He'd be like, uh-oh, it's, it's time for me to renew my driver's license now. <laughs> I, I'd have to say that was one of the best bits I've, of humor. Yeah, I so. have heard that bit, and uh, the tail end of it we really can't repeat. But, yes, it's outstanding. <laughs> yeah. But I think everybody can do the math, yeah. for sure. I believe that monologue was preceded about his watching uh, or his attempt to watch hotel por- or TV porn in the hotel room. If you heard him do that bit, that's pretty good also. No, I haven't heard that one. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'd love to relate it to you, but again, we uh, tend to at least think we're a little bit of a family show, Big Dog, but uh, we'll uh, leave that to the imagination. How are you, my friend? Everything okay? Date two? You know, we, we worry about you a little bit without football. I know, you know, we got the draft coming up. I briefly mentioned breaking down offensive linemen on the West Coast yesterday, trying to make a joke of it, and right off the bat, you had like the top two guys, you started to break it down. So, uh, no, no, that, that, that kid, Khalil from USC, really is that good coach. He, he might be the second overall player taken, but we'll see. He probably won't because he's a tackle. They're going to, you know, but we'll see. Cinemax, Cinemax, Cindy emailed in, wants to know if, what's his name, the guy's name? Uh, Khalil. He's uh, a massive Once. left tackle that can move like the wind that played at USC this year and was just phenomenal, Coach. Cinemax, was, Cindy wanted to know if Khalil has a good base. Oh, he does, Coach. Extremely good base. <laughs> and he's got one of those. Big red beard to make him look Oof. big and nasty, coach. Boy, I'm, boy and he, am I glad you said beard. That doesn't comb his hair. Yeah. So and it doesn't look like he washes or bathes either, and that's good for an offensive lineman. Seriously, you don't you want dirty, nasty yes. people on your offensive it, line. It, it does help, but they look the part. I, I have discovered that with offensive linemen. Uh-huh. It didn't work for Robert Gallery, who was like, "Look at this dude. He looks like a freaking pirate, but he's the size of the ship." And then you <laughs> find out that yeah, he couldn't block anybody. Yeah. So. Most disappointing, uh, bring you back in memory a little bit, most disappointing NFL draft choice ever, the biggest, generally considered the biggest bust in NFL draft history, Big Dog? Uh, the biggest bust, uh, according to the NFL top ten biggest bust in NFL draft history, is uh, the guy that was picked directly after Peyton Manning, and that is I can't, Ryan Leaf, the biggest bust in NFL history. Yeah. If you were thinking, if yeah. you were thinking of... The guy that the Packers took in 1989, he was like he was like fifth on the list. But the see the thing was the re, the one thing he had on the list that nobody else had was he was the only one that was actually a decent NFL player. But he was supposed to be the greatest offensive lineman that ever walked the earth. Are we talking then, Michigan's uh, very own Tony Mandarich? Michigan State's very own uh, Tony Mandarich. No, Michi- Michigan. He was the Michigan State coach. This one I'm 100% sure on. I, I, I know the whole story. Okay. He uh, he was at Michigan State, and I remember a guy at Illinois that played across from him said that he had at least one million uh, zips on his arms, like at wow. least one million. So there, there was suspicion even before that. But Tony Mandarich, for those young uh, viewers out there who, who never got to watch him, he was the finest college offensive lineman of all time. In fact, the expression, the pancake, big dog, correct me if I'm wrong, kind of started. Mm-hmm. If I remember with Tony Mandarich, because he would just level guys, and they started to call it the pancake, and that stat has become, uh, you know, regular terminology now for O-linemen. Yeah, and it, 
Sports Illustrated did a lot to hype him up because people were like, oh, he's, he's on steroids and that, that's the reason why he's so big and blah, blah, blah. Well, but, uh, Sports Illustrated did this thing where they said that he ate 12,000 calories a day and they went shopping with him. And I remember that he had like carts and carts of food. Okay. And he would go home and like for breakfast, he would eat like steak, eggs, Ribs. I mean, it was just unbelievable. 10,000, 12,000, 15,000 calories a day he was wow. supposedly eating. And that's why they said he was so massive and not the steroids. Mm-hmm. It was just pretty funny, you know, looking back on it. He ran a 4640, like legitimately. At the time when he was going into the NFL, he was faster than Jerry Rice. His 40 time was faster than the, the all time wide receiver. I always considered him the biggest bust in NFL history, but you do bring up the name Ryan Leaf. That's a solid yeah, it, contender. But for the, again, for those that don't know the story, the guy, they, the, ster- the steroid restrictions just came into play fairly new right upon his. Playing. What's that? Yeah, right when he got into the yes. NFL, it was like impossible to get away with steroids anymore. Yeah, and once they took the steroids away, he was. Not only was he not a great player, he he, he couldn't even get a starting well. job. He and started, he started. He was a starting NFL player for ten years. He started in the, for the Indianapolis Colts for at least eight seasons. Ten years. Um, I'm, it just cracks me up when 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 they had this deal on the NFL. I just watched the show about a year ago. Okay, and they have Peter King talking about. It. They have the top ten biggest busts in NFL history. Uh, Ryan Leaf's number one. It's that's a really cool show. Well, uh, Mantras comes in at like number five, and everybody was saying the same thing you were saying, like he was supposed to be the greatest offensive lineman ever. But half of the people, like me and Peter King, was like, yeah, he wasn't the greatest lineman ever, but he wasn't a flop. He played in the NFL for ten seasons. Okay. So he, everybody else on the list was bad, and they were taking like third overall, and they ended up being they can't even play whatsoever, where he was actually – but you're right. He was supposed to be like – like the guy, the offensive lineman that would change your whole entire team. Mm-hmm. Like one guy that was unstoppable, could block everyone. Yeah. At any rate, our ode to offensive lineman, yeah. David Olson. Yeah, most, most, most lists I find is Mander to, to hovering around four or five. On the major bus list. On the biggest bus Have you confirmed? Because I'm worried about the big dog and slight hallucinogen. No, Ryan, Le- Ryan Leaf is consensus. No, I understand that, board. but I'm worried about the big dog being in a slight hallucinogenary uh, state right now because of the end of football coming up. Uh, have we confirmed that he was a Michigan State Spartan and not a Wolverine? Because I could have sworn he was a Michigan Wolverine. He's yeah, a Michigan State Spartan. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They and, don't make hallucinations like they used to, Big Dog. And if you uh, look at the draft that he was taking, it is truly amazing. Like Barry Sanders was taken after him. Was he the Deion number two? Sanders. Derek Thomas was taken after Tony Mandis. That's why he's a bust, I think. Because that is the greatest NFL draft outside of 2006 is the 1989 draft. Who were some of the first? first, What what pick was Mandarich in that draft? He was like, I would say he was third, Coach. I can go look at it. ProFootball-reference.com is the best way to look at it. They'll have the draft there. But I'm trying to think of who the greatest bust was. Here, here, here's 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 the top ten of that year. Okay. Okay. Number one pick overall, Troy Aikman. Number two was Mandarich. Okay. <laughs> followed by followed by Barry Sanders. Yikes. Derek Thomas. Wow. Deion Sanders. 
yeah, that's why Tony Madrid is a bus coach because they took a decent offensive lineman and they had three of the greatest players ever. And I don't think I'm going out on a limb and saying that that those three right there are some three of the greatest players that ever mm-hmm. saw an NFL uniform. Wow, that's a pretty solid top five. And don't forget when. Uh... Tony Mandarich was picked. He was supposed to be a superstar, too. So if he would have lived up to his billing, that could have been maybe the best overall top five any draft NFL history. It still might be. <laughs> it still might be. Because, I mean, Troy Aikman won three Super Bowls and was just a really good quarterback. And then the other three we talked about, Deion Sanders is the best weak side corner ever. Derek Thomas is in the top five pass rushers of all time. I don't know about his stats, but when it comes to just Guys that you know can get to the quarterback there Thomas is there. And then, you know, obviously Barry Sanders, maybe the greatest guy ever with a football in the history of the NFL, the greatest ball carrier ever. You know, so pretty good 1989 draft. Yeah, yeah, four out of the five picks are Hall of Famers. Guess who's the, who's the fifth. <laughs> yeah, and back then, that, that was just when the steroid testing was first coming out. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, if you put a name to the early steroid testing days, it would be Tony Mandarich would probably be the guy that would first come to mind. Yeah, and he he admits it to this day. Like he talks about it later. Like I I, I remember him saying, "Yeah, because he lost like 15 pounds going into his rookie year in the mm-hmm. NFL." And you think about it, all of a sudden you don't have the confidence of, "Hey, I'm not on the roids anymore." It's the confidence. It ain't the size and strength. Mm-hmm. It's the mentality, coach, that it changes in you. That's yeah. what. Oh, it doesn't change Sammy Sosa hitting the ball. Those steroids didn't do anything. No, when Sammy Sosa went from hitting 250 and striking out a million times, all of a sudden be like, hey, I'm on the juice. And oh, that was it was total confidence, more than it is the actual physical change in your body. Ladies and gentlemen, bear with us. We're having this conversation basically because our in-studio psychologist has mentioned this as potential therapy for the big dog to transition. If we would have immediately gone to like college basketball talk, which I want to get to, and a little NBA in the Chicago Bulls, which I want to get to. But I think if we went to that too quickly, David Olson, would not have been good for the health of the big dog, Joel Redwanski. So we have to ease. We're kind of easing you off of football, my friend, and what better way to do it than talk the 1989 NFL draft? Well, that's, I'm with you, Coach. That's, <laughs> uh, well, the draft is the next thing i got to look forward to. Yes. Besides the fact you're talking about college basketball, which uh, there's a Ohio State-Purdue game tonight, which should be really, really good. North Carolina and Duke is tomorrow. Uh, but uh, I was already, uh, my my roommate Brian and I yesterday, we're going through the Cubs lineup. We're talking about who they need to, to acquire. Hopefully this Cuban kid that they just signed, this uh, 18-year-old pitcher, we're like, hopefully we'll forget about him in four years from now. He's a starter and he's really good. Mm-hmm. You know, So uh, it's, uh, it's funny, the transition for the Cubs for us has been, it's, it's been smooth. And, and if it wasn't for Theo coming in, the same exact roster without Theo as uh, Oh my God, Jim! If it was Jim Hendry doing these deals, he would be being oh, lambasted we, we, right now. Yeah, we were we were talking about it. We'd be like, we yes. would be outside Wrigley Field rioting right now. Yes, there definitely <laughs> is poetic license for Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer, and the rest of the boys. No question about it. I hate to break the news to you, Big Dog, but Blake Dewitt no longer a Chicago Cub. Oh, that's a Brian and I that we high five yesterday. You know what? <laughs> there comes a, that was a bad trade. Okay, Blake Dewitt is a nice guy, and well, come on, if you if you're not going to hit the ball in the park at all throughout a whole entire season, if you're going to be a zero home run guy, you better be incredible in the field and on the base base pass. He's he's not he's nothing. Mm-hmm. He's just a guy who can make contact and catch the ball if it's hit right at him. That's all he can do. So Blake Dewitt have a nice career. 
Thank you very much. I can tell you're broken up about that. Pitchers and catchers report. David Olson, correct me if I am wrong, but I believe we're down to the uh, uh, single, you know, little goalpost there. Eleven days. Eleven days, I believe, till pitchers and catchers report. Big Doug, it won't be long. Of course, it'll probably be about the same time as we get our next snowstorm here in Chicago. But uh, the baseball season is, in fact, almost upon us. Eleven days, Dave? Eleven days, 19 hours, 43 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's actually a You're website good. that has that countdown. Oh goodness! Oh, yeah, I'm getting ready for it. I, I am prepared. I'm watching MLB Network constantly, Coach. Yeah, constantly. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's pretty disgusting. I watch SportsCenter in the morning. Okay, I'll put on maybe a, a CNN for an hour, and then after that, it's pretty much MLB Network, yeah. and it's the middle of February. I mean, I should that's, be. That is that's a source of concern. Definite source of concern. I can't join you in that enthusiasm. Basically, my only association with baseball the last couple of weeks is a, uh, it's kind of a private moment, but uh, me and my poster of Joey Votto. That's about as far as it's going. You know, he might be, I, I got to tell you something, I respect Joey Votto. And Not as much as I do, believe me. If, if Anthony Rizzo doesn't work out and is the next coming of Hank Sauer for the Cubs, yes. I want them if they were going to throw a boatload of money at anybody, I'd want it to be at Joey Votto. Because after next season, not this year, but after next year, he's going to be a free agent. And if he continues to hit 330 with six, uh, 600 slugging percentage and just be, you know, he's underrated as the best hitter in baseball. He is legitimately in the talk of the top five hitters, but nobody ever brings him up, Coach, ever. Yeah, they will. If the Cincinnati Reds have their breakout season, then people will talk about it. Remember everybody last year? They were like the popular pick, the Cincinnati Reds, and they kind of laid a collective egg last year. That's why we didn't hear that much. You're exactly right, because everybody had a bad season in the lineup except him. I mean, the second-best offensive producer in the Reds lineup last year was Brandon Phillips, and he hit like – he didn't do anything. It was his worst season in years. So, I think – that's one guy. That's like the underrated superstar of the game. And mm-hmm. he hates the Cubs, and I hate that dude, Coach. I got honestly, it's, it's funny. It's like it's, it's good. I, I, it's been a long time since I cared enough about the Cubs and my teams actually hate, like, another opponent or something. Like, I'm finally getting things back in my life, like, in order. And all of a sudden, I, like, hate the Heat for no reason. It's good. I, the Pacers, when the Bulls play them, I just want to beat them down. It's good <laughs> to have a little bit of venom. Back in my like my yeah. rooting interest, keeps, you know what I mean. It's keeps like, the juices, yeah, keeps the, the sports right juices flowing. Yeah, I found the right girl. I know I got to get a lot more stuff in order in my life, but like you know, I, I have a path to actually make some money now. Uh-huh. So it's like finally in my life I can relax and start enjoying sports again. So all of a sudden I find myself like yelling at during football games. It's been so long, coach. It just feels <laughs> good actually. Like to actually like vehemently hate uh, Tyler Hansborough just because he tries really hard against the Bulls. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's good to have that feeling again. I don't know if I could particularly take the venom out on Tyler Hansbrough, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Now that you can't take the hate out in other parts of your life, you can transfer it to mm-hmm. something uh, much more fun and a lot less uh, physically painful to others as taking your hate out on uh, some of the people in the sports world. So it's a nice nice way of venting your emotions, Big Dog. This coming from Dr. John Cohn and my new psychology degree, which I just uh, attached to my left front button. Thank you very much. Yeah, I won't even charge you for this. Okay, good. Yeah. good. You coming in this week, by the way, we have many emailers, females in particular, wondering what day will the big dog be in studio this week. 
if I will be in studio this week, it'll most likely be the the Friday. I'm thinking about hopefully coming in on Thursday, and then and I, I definitely have to come in a bunch of times before the 29th because I purchased a train ticket that it won't work after that. So. Friday would be very good because our favorite little seafood restaurant will open for lunch now only on Fridays. So if you and me are to post-game, post-show dine on a little um, little jambalaya, possibly some red corn chowder, we could do that, but Fridays only. It's only open for lunch. Okay, yeah, uh, Friday sounds good. That yeah. sounds really good. So yeah, we'll little, definitely, little, I'll, be, I'll be in on Friday. little chicken gumbo. Oh, chicken gumbo is so good for yeah. you. I read about a place that's got the uh, a really good red spicy fish gumbo, and I cut it out of the newspaper. It's in Glenville. I've never been there before. I got to go there and get some of that. Anything that is spicy, yes, and has a lot of different color vegetables and has a lean protein in it, coach, yes, that not, pretty much sounds like my type of food. Right not there. that creamy crap, but the good solid red. Like it, it, one of my pet peeves around here in, in the Chicago area, the Midwest, anywhere practically, except out east, you know, they got the New England clam chowder, that milky, creamy, white clam chowder, which everybody likes. It's too rich for my blood, big dog. And, and fine, offer the New England, but give me some Manhattan as an alternative to the Manhattan, the red clam chowder. That's outstanding. You can't find it in the Chicago area. Very upsetting. You know, uh, last week, it, it was funny, as I saw a special, like, it, it was I, I watched so little television preceding the, the, the Super Bowl, Coach. I was extremely lucky last week. What a perfect week to not watch mm-hmm. any television. The little that I saw, like, of the Super Bowl pregame, they were talking about the uh, New England versus New York, and it was Manhattan versus uh, New England clam chowder. Uh, it was, I, I thought of you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, the debate was and it was the players. It wasn't like people on the street. They were interviewing like like Matthias Kiwanuka, who was the only one of the Giants who said he liked New England clean clam chowder. You know why? Because he went to Boston College. The guy's smart. Oh. Okay. And uh, uh, coach, it was good stuff. Really, you you, you would have enjoyed it. I wish I would have seen that segment right up my alley. Right at my. By the way, we ended yesterday's show. You had mentioned something about the fish taco, and I said that's like one of my favorite. We talk about underrated things uh, in the world of food. We both of us agreed on the sliced tomato as an ingredient on pizza. Not many people think of it. I'm right with you. That's very underrated. The fish taco, not not the grilled crappy kind, but a, I mean, I'm sorry, not the fried kind, but mm-hmm. I mean a good. Grilled fish chopped up a little bit in a quality uh, taco. The fish taco is highly underrated. And wh- where did you have them? At home, you said? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, uh, Lily the Lilac and I, we walked down to some Mexican uh, grocery store and bought all the stuff that we needed for uh, guacamole and fish tacos and little, little sweet potatoes on the side. We, we ate extremely well on uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Awfully good. But, uh, check this out, Coach. So, they had to, I didn't know what we were going to do. I was just going to go down there and figure out maybe fajitas or something. I wanted to do something along that line. And they said, oh, tilapia, two ninety nine a pound. Like, tilapia is delicious. So I buy, like, three pounds of it, bring it back home, and did the whole thing. Well, yesterday, after I got off the phone with you, I'm like, I think I'm going to walk back up there and buy a bunch <laughs> of tilapia. But before I do that, I'm going to research it. So I'm, I'm kind of into this. I'm like, okay, let me find out about tilapia. Well, the reason why it's two ninety nine a pound is, is they're farm-fed fish. So they start going, if you get it from the United States, they'll actually have some omega-3s in it because they, 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 they have to have a certain amount of real fish that they're fed. Well, if you
you get it from South America, they won't have any in it. And if you get it from China, they'll have, well, the ones in South America have a little omega-3s, and the ones from, like, China have none, and they destroy the environment. So, like, if you're eating Chinese-made tilapia, <laughs> it's, seriously, so I'm reading all this thing, and I, yeah. I'm like, okay, that's one, that's, one, that's one website. And I start researching it, then the whole thing, everywhere I went, don't buy Chinese tilapia. I go upstairs and look, made in, it was farmed in China. So I thought I was getting this whole, <laughs> tilapia is so good and all that. Well, I, I guess tilapia doesn't have any omega-3s, because that's the reason to eat fish, is to make sure you get your omega-3s, so because yep. it protects your, your brain and your heart. And the last time I checked, you want to take care of your brain and your heart. Those are probably uh, a one and one on the list of the two most important things in your in, you know in your body. Wow. And, right. so, and then I, I sort of read it's really bad. I was all distraught over this. It's like, all right. So for I, all the young kids out there, be careful of the tilapia you're eating. If it's the Chinese tilapia, it might not be as quality and healthy as you think of it. A little. Yeah, exactly. Quick note from your good friends here at the Two Guys in a Mic Show. Outstanding. Outstanding. Big dog, let's a uh, quick little residue Tuesday. We haven't thrown out our phone number yet. I do apologize. 888-463-6748. Your thoughts on uh, fish tacos, any other food items, the Super Bowl, residue Tuesday, any of the things that happen over the weekend. We're going to get into some hoops talk here in just a few minutes. But first, uh, and again, the phone number, 888-463-6748. Little residue Tuesday, some things from the Super Bowl that might have seeped in from yesterday's show, we might have some callers that were not able to listen in yesterday. One quick note, Big Dog, is the uh, did you see the final ratings for the TV broadcast? I did not. I'm sure they were uh, one of the higher ones for a Super Bowl, though. One of the higher, as in the highest, the most watched television show. David Olson, correct me if I'm wrong, of all time, 111. The rating was not quite as high as last year, but total viewership, Big Dog, the highest ever. Wow. So the Super wow. Bowl, and the game itself wasn't that, I mean, you know, uh, the game turned out to be great. But it wasn't like this tremendous hype, you know, for the Giants and the Patriots. So I think that's a compliment just to what the Super Bowl has become more than a game. It truly has become an American holiday, basically. Yeah, it, it really is. And I'm just wondering, like, what percentage of Americans actually watch the game? Well, Cause how honestly, many? When I, I, when I was a kid, I would hear 35%, can you believe that, man? I was like, only 35%? Because every single person I knew on the planet watched the game when I was a child. So I, that always blew me away. And as I got older, I do realize that there's, like, immigrants that don't care at all about American football. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And there's also people that grew up that are kind of they're highfalutin, and they think they're better than people, so I'm not watching that barbaric game. You know, they have, like, that attitude, too, like the bourgeois. I mean, what was what? Do you, what percentage of Americans? Forget worldwide, just Americans. People that call themselves Americans watch the Super Bowl. Yeah, don't forget, you got little kids. I'm assuming they're counted in the American I'm talking population. Everybody that is like eight and up. Everybody eight and up. All right, you got the uh, uh, people in maybe uh, you know depths of some deep poverty without a television available. Possibly homeless people. Possibly there's a you know still a fairly large segment that aren't interested in sports, and maybe they didn't have a social gathering to go to. If you got a party to go to and you're not interested, okay, you watch the game a little bit. But if you're not invited to a party and you're not into football, I don't think you're watching the Super Bowl. Right? Okay. I guess so. Don't even check it out. Don't even Because I've talked to people, they were like, what, the Super Bowl was on? And these are men. I mean, this is, I mean, this is recently. They're like, oh, the, really? Oh. And I'm like, you don't have the Internet. They're like, oh, yeah, I just forgot. 
Wow. <laughs> they like watch like a string of like westerns. I'm like, you, you have that little regard for football. They're like, yeah, I could care less. Yeah. I, yeah. It just it amazes me. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up like the people without television stuff because, like, I, like honestly, like you'd be surprised at how many people like. Mexican people in Aurora that like have no idea the Super Bowl's going on. Yep. But then when we went out to that, when I went out to the that place, everybody was shopping. It was just funny to hear people speak in Spanish and just hear Super Bowl, you know, no ganas, <laughs> la Super Bowl, you know. I thought it was beautiful. <laughs> so. Now, does that uh, David is the 111 million count international viewers too, or is that only in the states? That's only in the states. Okay, it's only in the states. So, so one, that's about. Honestly, if you think about it's about one out of three. That, yeah, well, yeah, it's about one out of three. But you got to figure, like, let's not include any of the children, you know. And then there's also like the hospital people and people that have to work in all those particular situations. There's, I don't know how many millions of people are working in a hospital or on duty police or like have to work and they would rather be watching the game. That's but that's probably like forty million people right there that you just take out of the equation. Mm-hmm. So, but so, I guess maybe like two thirds of the available people watch the Super Bowl. Would that seem like the right estimate, Coach? I would say <laughs> if you had the loose term of available, if I think I know what you mean by available, I would say that does seem about like they, right. If they have the option, yes, like, uh, out of adults, like, and that's that's kind of amazing if you think that that that's almost like. Uh, Probably even more than like election results. Hey, there's election results. We're gonna find out who won the electoral college. It's, you know, it's 11:30 at night. Uh, there'll probably be more people watching well, the Super Bowl. Well, even even watching. a worse stat than that, if you want to go political for an anagorism. Is that a word? Anagorism? Yeah, mm-hmm. let's give it a shot. If you want to go worse for an anagorism, even worse than that, big dog is. There's a lot more people that watch the Super Bowl than, unfortunately, on November 9th or whatever date it falls on that exercise their vote to write as an American, kind of sad to say. Yeah, you, you totally butchered that, but you're you're exactly right, Coach. With, with how many people are going to vote in the election? Probably half that not, amount. Yeah, not, not two-thirds of the available, as you said. Yeah, David. 290 million total, total. television viewers wow. in the United States, estimated. 290 million. Wait. Of those 290 million, okay, 290 million, uh, 111.3 million were watching the Super Bowl. Okay. And, and of those 290 million, how many were watching television last night? Or on, on Sunday night? I, I, you know, and I doubt 290 million. The, the number is going to be more like 150 million. So you're let, saying, me see, what, let me see if I can find that out. What percent of the people that turned on the TV actually watched the Super Bowl? Obviously, yeah, that, that's, that's what yeah. I'm getting more because I, because I, I totally understand. There's 290 possible like guys that you or people that you can segment as American television viewers. Mm-hmm. But so how many days do you watch television? I, I can go three days without turning on a television, and I would be considered a viewer. And does that mean you know I didn't watch television for three days? Mm-hmm. So, that very I, good. I, Big Dog and the Coach with you here at thetalkzone.com. Again, the phone line's open. You want to talk a little residue from the Super Bowl final thoughts as we move on to grander things. 888-463-6748. Producer extraordinaire David Olson. Yes, sir. Before we move on to Uh-oh. grander things, a couple things I want to point out with yeah. these ratings. <laughs> uh, the last three years, okay, it's been, t- it's been 
topping it one after the other. It was for uh, how many years was Mash? The season, uh, the series finale of Mash was like the top watch. Yeah, from 1983 up until 2009. It's a long run. That was the most watched thing. Hell of a run. Watch television show ever. Super Bowl beat that in 2009. The one or in 2010. In in 2011. It got beaten. In 2012, it got beaten. Hmm. So the Super Bowl's ratings have gotten bigger the last three years. Big Dog, as a part-time sociologist, your explanation, the Super Bowl's always been big the last three years, the uh, little upturn in viewership. Uh, how would you explain that? Yeah, football has gone through the roof in terms of popularity over the last 10 years, and I think it's just finally caught up. That it's, you know, like, it, it, fantasy football has turned everybody into a, like, turned millions of people into football fans that weren't. I guess after playing it for so many years, you end up just sticking around and watching the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I, I just think about how much more popular football is right now than it was 10 years ago and as opposed to 30 years ago, Coach. Honestly, it, it, I don't, you know, it, it's the number one sport in America. And I don't even think you can, you, it's two days after the championship game and we're sitting here lamenting we're going to have to wait eight months so we get to watch it again. <laughs> For me, it's somewhat fake lament, but you know, I enjoy. No, but for me, it's legit. Okay, <laughs> so, I enjoy the I'm fake lament. I think one. the the fantasy football thing you mentioned, because football, I don't know, the last three years, all of a sudden, the popularity of football has boomed. As you I said, agree. I, I totally no, agree. you I said it's been ten years, it. but I I think the fantasy thing, fantasy football has been around for ten years, but I do think the last three years, all of a sudden, a lot of the mid-level, you know, non-avid fan that used to play fan, those people have been drawn into fantasy football. That could be an explanation for the uh, pre- for the last three years going up, up, up. I, I completely agree. It just took a while. But I, I did, like, it has been, you know, my whole life, I could tell you where I was every playoff game. I'm not kidding you. You can, I, you can name a playoff game, and I can be like, oh, I had a work that day, and I was freaking upset. It's uh. I think there's a lot of people like me. There's a lot, a lot of my friends that are exactly like me. We go to the same places. We hang out. We root for the teams. We make fun of them. You know, and next thing you know, all of us that treat football like it's – I know people are going, might be offended when they say this, but I, I'm going to say it anyways. It's almost like it's religious to us. It's such an obsession. Well, I think people like me, my friends like – uh, David Meyer, uh, Desmond Fairchild, Joe Hogan, uh, Mike George, Brian Bourne. We love football so much that people come to our house constantly just to watch football. People watch one game with me, they're like, you know, I never liked football, but now I really love football. <laughs> I, I'm honest. I'm, I'm being serious with you, Coach, that, uh, I, that football is starting to grow into, you know, it's so beautiful because it's one day a week. A woman can deal with that. When you love baseball, and she's like, another three-hour game again? They play 22 days in a row. Yeah, I know. So I'm sorry. But, like, football, they're like, oh, okay, one day a week for four months. Oh, you know, goodness. And it's always on Sunday. It's, I can, yeah, I can I can even walk. I can be a fan with you. I can deal with that. So it's, like, much more, like, relationship-friendly. That might sound crazy, but if you're yeah. obsessed with the team, a you woman has a lot easier chance to deal with 16 games as opposed to 162. It's a little bit crazy, but you are so convincing when you say it. David, tell me that uh, the NFL would not do well to hire Joe Radwanski as like a, a marketing guy or just to promote the game of football. I think you would be a perfect employee, and they have a tremendous health program, Big Dog, and they might put a couple of zeros after some of those commas for you. <laughs> 
who knows? Hey, by the way, beyond the TV ratings, here's here's another stat for you. Wait, yes, David. Before you move on. Well, I'm still going to stick with the TV rig. i got another stat, but go ahead. Okay, well, I've got a little stat for you, Uh-oh. too. Well, for, I, I give for, you numbers. Uh, the total viewership for the game was 100, uh, $111.3 million. That jumped up to $114 million for the halftime. Yes, so I the halftime, the halftime did better than the game itself. Interesting. So there were some people, a significant amount, that tuned in just specifically for, for, yeah, for the yeah, halftime. Just for Madonna and then tuned right back out. How about that? Yeah, and and and... And and then that woman does a total classless thing and flips the bird. Yeah. And then you think about how many people turn just to watch the, the halftime show, David, because how many people that were watching the game turned because they didn't want to watch the halftime show? So it wasn't just like 3 million people tuned in just to watch the halftime show. How many people turned the channel? So there, there might have been 15 million that tuned mm-hmm. in just to watch Madonna at halftime because... I'm sure 12 million turned the channel because they didn't want to watch Madonna and they wanted to watch the Puppy Bowl, the Lingerie Bowl, the, the whatever other bowls that they have on at halftimes of these of the Super Bowl. It's a good point. It's a good point. Madonna still has a draw. By the way, uh, in addition to the television ratings, television ratings, I think I read this correctly, uh, the Super Bowl set a record for tweeting Big Dog as social media comes to uh, the vicious forefront. 12,233 tweets per second was the average during the Super Bowl. 12,233, and again, per second. A lot of people tweeting with the Super Bowl. Oh, that had a hashtag about the Super Bowl that had something to do with the Super Bowl? That's that's freaking unbelievable. Could you imagine how much more it would have been if Ocho Cinco uh, didn't actually make the Super Bowl uh, game day roster? (laughs) Uh, he actually had a catch too, didn't he? I, I missed it, but apparently, I, yeah, I missed it too, Coach. I yeah. can't believe he did. I honestly did not know he had a catch. Yeah, I, I was mentioning to someone like mid third quarter, I was like, man, they haven't completed a pass down the field, have they? And the guy goes, uh, well, Bucks did the one just a little bit ago to Ocho Cinco, and I'm like, what? Totally missed that. Yeah, just, and, and you know, uh, Brady did not complete a pass over 20 yards in the game. Yeah, and uh, Trent Dilfer, who's an extremely underrated analyst before the game, the Giants are going to win because Brady can't throw the ball down the field anymore. Interesting. And, and I was like, really? And when Steve he, when Steve Young then interrupts uh, Trent Dilfer, he's like, folks, when he says this, he means it. He's watched every single pass attempt in the NFL this season, and he takes notes on every one. And Dilfer started laughing, and then they break it down. And everything that Trent Dilfer has talked about, why Tom Brady was, they were not going to win. And if you think about it, the last couple, there were so many balls downfield that were misthrown by Tom Brady mm. in the game. Interesting. Like Tom Brady, there was a huge chink in his armor now because not only, yeah, he was, he can dink and dunk it now, but think about that pass to Gronkowski that Jesse Blackburn intercepted. Oh my goodness. How could he underthrow that ball? If he throws it the right distance, Gronkowski catches it and it's a touchdown. Mm-hmm. That is an interception. That was the one he had a lot of protection for all day to throw, and he finally, at the very couldn't find any open receivers and just flung the ball down the field a little bit short. Gronkowski got off, fought. A healthy Rob Gronkowski might have might have been able to plant that foot, like you said, with his explosion, come back for the football, and yeah. still made the catch, but it clearly was not a healthy Rob Gronkowski, and that turned into an interception, no question. 
All right, Big Dog, 888-463-6748. we got some basketball to talk about here, one-hour show. We hate to move on, still some other football thoughts. And, again, coming up in the next couple of months, folks, we'll be breaking down the NFL draft. If you're new to the show and you haven't heard Big Dog talk about left tackles from USC or a wide receiver from uh, Oklahoma from or something Carolina, like that. all John Jeffrey. Trust me. You don't, it's sort of like the Super Bowl. You don't have to be a football fan to enjoy your breakdown of NFL draft prospects. Uh, there's a, there's a wide receiver available from South Carolina that's six foot three, about 215 pounds. And he's really, <laughs> really fast. His Here we go. Alshon, his name is Alshon Jeffrey, coach. Here we Verse go. Six, 19. They've got, they've got him as ranked as the fifth best wide receiver on the board. He is the second best wide receiver on the board. He's better than Michael Floyd of, of Notre Dame. He's not as good as Justin Blackman of Oklahoma State. But all that, these guys are all rated ahead of him. Unless they got some guy that is just absolutely ridiculous that is a defensive end, a corner, or a left tackle that is still on the board, they've got to take Alshon Jeffrey with 19. David, yeah, last, it's, it's been a while, but the, the, the last romantic evening with the wife I can remember, I think, was uh, sitting together at home. The kids were out a glass of red wine, and we played a tape of Big Dog talking about Boston College's weak side linebacker, breaking him down for the draft. Oh, Luke Kochler? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Stop he it. can play, coach. <laughs> Have you seen him play? He was a first-team All-American, uh, unanimous. And you... uh, he was the whole team. <laughs> the kid can flat-out play. Down boy. So it's, uh, it's K-O-E. C K L E R. He's going to be good. He was the, the Butkus. He was not only the Butkus Award, but he was the Defensive Player of the Year in college, right? Uh, no, 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 no. There was a guy from LSU named the Honey Badger that was the Defensive Player of the Year in college basketball. Uh, okay. But he was. You're right. He was the Butkus. He was the Butkus Award winner. The King is awesome. Mm-hmm. So you know, interestingly, the one not so great game that he played. I think was against Northwestern early on because that was the one game I watched him play, and he wasn't that great in that game unless I'm unless well, I'm mixing I up. I didn't see the game. I didn't get to see the game, but that game, you know, Northwestern can spread you out and put you in space. There's a lot of linebackers that don't like to play that way. Mm-hmm. And if, and he's actually he's going to play weak side linebacker in the NFL, but he played middle linebacker at Boston College. So I could. Northwestern has made a lot of inside linebackers look stupid over the last couple of years. Yeah, by the way, as a quick sidelight, and again, I don't want to get you too overheated here into the uh, football-heavy uh, discussion, but did you see Northwestern University got the transfer from USC from the Chicago area, the number one wide receiver in the country coming out of high school, and he has transferred to Northwestern? Really? Sean Prater from Proviso East. The, oh, Prater? Oh, my goodness, he's coming back to Northwestern? Yes, sir. And uh, was he not getting, yeah, well, I guess Marquise Lee and uh, Deshaun Woods are back next year for USC. So what he was, it was either, please tell me he was at least a third receiver. There was something, I think he got, what it was, I think there was an injury, and then he had a hard time working into the lineup. Plus, I'm not sure, kid from Proviso was thoroughly enjoying the atmosphere out in Southern California. Go figure. But uh, whatever the reason, he's heading back to Northwestern, and there is some eligibility questions. We're not sure if he can play this year and get three years. He might have to sit this year and just get two years. The uh, great mental funks at the NCAA will make that decision. Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. And who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> those guys, there is no consistency whatsoever in their rulings on young men's eligibility. And it's it's rather disgusting, Coach. Yep. So that the, 
they very rarely do what's right, is all I'm saying. They do so many, I mean, if a kid gets hurt, typically they do the right thing. But like, right when it comes to like a transfer and, a, you know what, they got to take into consideration, there's a new coach that was, that was brought in since he was, uh, since he was there. There's a lot of stuff. This kid was been swept into a situation. But right when he said Sean Prater, I knew exactly what was going on because he was supposed to be great. He was all of a sudden MIA out in out yep. at USC. Yep. Shouldn't a little bit of consideration be taken that Pete Carroll uh, recruited him and now he's got a, a DB as a head coach? Well, I, you know what? Uh, you know, and I don't know if I want to get into this now, but I, I went uh, again. Full circle would be the wrong description. I went 180 this year on. Uh, I'm forgetting the coach now. He from Tennessee NFL. Lane Kiffin. Yeah, on Lane Kiffin. I watched him. I became a USC fan this year, and I liked the way Lane Kiffin conducted himself on the sidelines and conducted his entire USC team through this probationary period. I'm going the other way. I'm a Lane Kiffin fan now, and suddenly I'm rooting for USC. Okay. Okay. All right. I got to tell you, they're loaded, and they are going to have a real good shot at winning the Pac-12 next year, and if they do, they'll be in the title game. Well, they got uh, preseason top five now that Matt Barkley decided to come back, Robert Woods decided to come back, and who's the other receiver? Well, Marcus Marcus Lee, Lee. your guy. Yeah, your guy was only a freshman, so he's going to have to come back for two more years. Well, those those three guys right there are arguably among the top 20 offensive players in the country. But let's get off USC. Real quick, before we go to basketball, one other Residue Tuesday comment. Roger Goodell, we mentioned this yesterday that we'd get to it today. Again, uh, folks, just tuning in. You want to check in here on a Residue Tuesday with the Big Dig and or the coach. Uh, 888-463-6748. The phone lines are open. State of the Union address of the NFL from Roger Goodell. Two interesting things coming up. One, and I want your comments, Adam. One, the increase of Thursday night football. Everybody's going to get a shot at playing on primetime. Thursday night football uh, is going to be expanded. And two, two is the potential elimination of the Pro Bowl. Your thoughts on both? Uh, I, I... The Pro Bowl should be eliminated. I like the idea of them having like a skills competition out there. If, if you watch those, it was horrible, Coach. Someone's going to get hurt just because everybody's trying not to get hurt. You know what I, I mean? I heard one argument. The TV ratings are still pretty good. People watch it. Why not? I mean, I tend to agree with you, but there's one argument. The ratings, people still watch it. Yeah, people are booing their butts off in the stadium, though. I, who watches the Pro Bowl? I don't think I've, like, I've ever watched more than like five minutes of it. It's very difficult for me to watch it because they don't take it seriously. It's certainly not me. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't think I've watched a second of it in like in about 10 years. Yeah, and I, I will never watch it again. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I, it's the greatest sport in the world. The idea of an all-star team doesn't do yep. anything for yep. me. It doesn't. Now, we, if you, if it meant something, then I could watch it. I can't watch football where people are out there just trying not to get hurt. Somebody suggested, what if you made it, uh, you know, seventy-five thousand dollar winner take all? The winners get seventy-five. The losers get nothing. Would that change the mentality a bit? Yes. Is that okay? If you start doing something like that, yes. Okay, then that people are going to try to win. They don't care. They just seriously, their whole job is to just make sure they don't get hurt, which I have mm-hmm. no problem with. So. What have them? Go, they all get a vacation out to Hawaii. Have all the offensive linemen do uh, agility drills and powerlifting competition. You have the quarterbacks do agility drills and and throwing competitions. You have the wide receivers have a sprint and an agility and a catching drill. You know what I mean, and just have them all and see who the best uh, 
athletes are in the NFL. No reason to have them even play the game. Okay. What about the increase of Thursday night football? We're getting away from our beautiful Sundays, good or bad. Uh, I, I love that. I can I can always get more football. The only problem is that takes away from the college football that I love because there's usually a really good name game on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Like usually a, like a real good uh, like either like like a Boise State Fresno matchup and all that. That's that's the only thing is it does take away from college football a little bit. Makes for it's a tough drop. prep week too, doesn't it? If team plays on Sunday, I mean you really maybe they'll even it out so not a lot of teams you know maybe, maybe every team has one Thursday. But boy, that really disturbs your regular schedule when you got a Thursday game after a Sunday game. That is the whole point is they want everybody to have one Thursday game. Okay. That's the whole point. They're going to put every single team on a Thursday night so everybody gets at least one chance at a primetime game. And don't forget, they have some weeks that they're going to start in week two. It goes through week 15. Okay, so that right there, that's 14 weeks. So there would still be four extra games or four extra teams, which would be two extra games, and you play those on Thanksgiving. So every team would be on Thursday night one. Mm-hmm. And so that way you wouldn't, and, and you should be playing, you play the bye right after all that other stuff, Coach. So you, or like a bye right before your Thursday game. They're mm-hmm. going to do stuff like that to make sure it's evened out. Okay. Sounds good. Roger Goodell in the State of the Union, a traditional thing the commissioner holds during Super Bowl week. Big dog and a coach with you. One of the ways, uh, the, for years and years and years, one of the most consistent ways we've been able to overcome the football depression, realizing there's no football now for another seven to eight months. One of the best ways is to get saturated a little bit into the fine sport of basketball. Big dog, it won't be long. It won't be long till we're bringing out the brackets and talk a little March madness, my friend. And there's some, as you alluded to, some really, really good college basketball coming up this week, including a game tonight. Now, you mentioned Ohio State-Purdue. Mm-hmm. They're playing tonight? Yeah, they're playing tonight. That's going to be an excellent ball game. That's, Those are two very good teams. Right that's there. not bad. Well, you got one very good team, one team trying to get there, Purdue. Yeah, this is good point. Good but point. Uh, there, there's another game that I may have to watch. I haven't watched Southeast Conference basketball in a while since the start of the year. Florida, my pick to win the entire tournament, takes on Kentucky. Florida at Kentucky tonight, Big Dog. That might be worth a sneak peek. Yeah, I... I will get my eyeballs on that later on in the in the day, definitely, Coach. That should be an excellent ball game. Uh, Kentucky is absolutely loaded, and and you know uh, your guy Anthony Davis, Dave Billis, saying you know when it comes to Player of the Year, you know Jared Sullinger and Anthony Davis over the last couple of weeks have made the greatest strides to actually grab the Player of the Year. Thanks. So like two guys, like two guys, like a, like a month ago, we wouldn't have said Anthony Davis or Jared Sullinger, and they played. They've been dominant the last month, according to. Yeah. My guy, Jay Billis. Well, the preseason, you might have said Jared Sollinger, but yeah, he started off a little bit slow. And the story of Anthony Davis, who's, uh, you know, averaging, what, 14 points a game, pretty good. Don't forget at Kentucky, you got a lot of guys that can put the ball in the basket, but where he is dominating is in rebounding. And he's become, as a true freshman, Big Dog, one of the, uh, well, I was going to call him one of the greatest shot blockers in Coach, college. Coach, that's that's a bit strong, but he's become okay, well, a dominant yeah. shot blocker at this point as a freshman. Well, he's leading the country in blocks. So that's, I would, I would call him definitely he's a dominant shot blocker. If you're leading a con- the country of 340 mm-hmm. teams in shot blocks, you are definitely, is he having the most dominant shot block season ever as a freshman? I, that's, that's, that's awful tough. You talk about the great shot block guys like Patrick Ewing, 
Walter Berry. He's like Don't Walter Berry. Remember him? I do. How about as a freshman, never nervous Purvis Ellison? He was a shot blocker extraordinary. That, yeah, that's uh, he. He reminds me, Anthony. I, at first, I was thinking more Walter Berry because he's shorter, but he's real skinny, like Purvis Ellison was. Well, but Anthony Davis is a lot. Anthony Davis is what six ten. Well, yeah, nervous. Well, Walter Berry was only like six seven. Right, that's what I was. Blocked all those shots. Yeah. <laughs> Walter Berry was more of a three, but at any rate, that's going to be just tremendous uh, basketball game in the Southeast Conference. I think tomorrow you got North Carolina and Duke. I'm not sure who was home in that game, but that definitely is going to be worth a peek. And I will tell you this right now, Thursday. Thursday might be the most intense Big Ten game yet of the season. It's Illinois at Indiana. Tom Crean is already, over the weekend, he was tweeting, Facebooking some of the students, saying we got to have a huge turnout for Thursday night. It's going to be an unbelievable atmosphere Thursday in Indiana, and it's an Illinois team, Big Dog, desperate. I mean desperate for a victory. That's going to be a great game Thursday night. Yeah, that's uh, – I'm, I'm getting ready for it. So that, I will probably be watching that game, and I'll be crawling into uh, the station on Friday morning, Coach. Yeah. That's pretty much my plan. We can live with that. Okay. If, if you're crawling along the place somewhere, I'll, I'll come pick you up, okay? That's good to know, Coach. Yeah. By the by, Murray State Racers, somebody emailing in, uh, please remind the big dog as we talk college basketball, Murray State, 23-0, and the only undefeated team left, I think, in Division One. Oh, that kid, what, what is it, Ian, or Ian Cannon? Oh, my goodness, he hits everything, Coach. When, when, you, when your name is Cannon and you're drilling shots <laughs> of 25 feet out on yeah. a consistent basis, that's pretty cool. Uh, and, uh, you know, Murray State is the team that everybody is, uh, everybody knows, you know, on, on the mid-major, and they're undefeated, and hopefully they can continue this, continue, continue this out for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I saw Detroit play, Detroit Mercy play this weekend, coach. They got this kid, McKenna. Oh my goodness. I mean, he's, he's going to be in the NBA as a, as a three. This what, is what team is this? Everybody. What team? Detroit Mercy. I was, they, they were playing Butler this weekend. The kid was unstoppable when they beat Butler. So Detroit might be a team to look out for in the tournament. Wow. Detroit? Believe it or not, I was, uh, this Saturday was, uh, as pretty cool as I, uh, did as much laundry as I possibly could, did as much <laughs> other stuff in the house. So, you know, it's yeah. like, that's perfect time you put in the college basketball, you, yeah. you know, you clean up the downstairs. And that's the thing I know, it doesn't matter what the, I just had a, I just started watching it. Stephen Bardo was talking about this guy like he's the next coming of, of Walter Berry. It was pretty funny. <laughs> So. Uh, you're folding laundry and you're watching Detroit Mercy basketball. That's a hell of a Saturday afternoon. That's all I can well, say. Well, anytime there's a nationally televised game at Butler, I try to watch it because mm-hmm. what what's it? Hinkle Fieldhouse. What's yep. the name of that place? Yep, you got it. That's uh, that's just one of the coolest places to watch a basketball game. You can just feel the emotion in that place mm-hmm. when you're watching games. A couple of rumors. I was in discussion with a couple of college basketball aficionados of the. Some various Chicago area teams, to put it mildly, the Chicago area, and I'm including Champaign. In that discussion, Big Dog, uh, without mentioning names, might be in need of coaches to boost their program, and a few people mentioned that possibly Mr. Brad Stevens might be swayed out of his contract at Butler to come coach a bigger school. Uh, coach, don't tease me. Do not, and listen, Bruce Weber is a nice guy, okay? You know what I mean? They're, they're, not not to put it all on Bruce Weber. If you've checked some of our local school records, there's more than just Illinois that could use a brand-new head coach. So I didn't mean yeah, to pinpoint Champagne. There's Yeah, but there's I, 
there's one major marquee program in the state. Okay, and if Brad Stevens is going to be swayed to go somewhere, he's not going to go from Butler to, uh, uh, you know, I mean, he's not going to go from Butler to Bradley. Go catch. Maybe <laughs> DePaul. Maybe DePaul. Okay? Go Northwestern. <clears throat> Excuse me, just had a little cough. You, know, you think you can do it at Northwestern? <laughs> it was just a cough. I don't know if you can do it at Northwestern, Coach. Why not? I know doing it at Butler, but doing it at, with different academic restrictions and doing it at yeah. a mid-major and getting to two consecutive championship games is totally different than doing it at at, at Northwestern, Coach. Well, we is need that to... what they want, like a backdoor system and all that other stuff? I, I don't well, see that. I'm, I'm on a committee that is attempting to get rid of academic restrictions for Northwestern athletes. So things may be changing in the near future. I'm tired, Big Dog. I'm tired of walking towards the basketball gym, looking at the uh, the fitness area, the weight room, uh-huh. and it's dark and nobody's in there. Every time I walk by there, going to the basketball game, it's like, why? What the hell's going on? You think at Ohio State the weight room's empty right now? It's commitment no. to excellence, big dog. Way too much time in the library for the Northwestern football players. Get your ass in the weight room. Remember, when you are not out practicing, someone, somewhere is, and when you meet, they will win. Too much emphasis on academics. Yeah. Okay. Now, there's a there's a theater is really big at Northwestern. Law and business are real big at Northwestern. Education is also one of the one of their uh, uh, great studies there, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, okay, you, get all the, you get all these people. You're all going to be educators, right? Y'all, all one thousand of you that majored in this. Well, we have eighty five kids on scholarship for football. We got fifteen kids on scholarship for basketball. That's a hundred kids. There's a thousand of you. Ten of you per student. You're going to tutor these kids. We no longer have the academic restrictions for the actual profitable sports here at Northwestern. Yeah. When it comes to football and basketball, we're going to take in kids that need tutoring. Your job, part of your requirements, three credits a year, goes towards actually educating <laughs> these kids. David, what I think, think what we need to do is start a forestry major at Northwestern. That might solve all the Or a sports man, quote-unquote sports management. So for, you know what? Sports management is something you think is in business. So, but you just did the business course, and plus you have to take uh, uh, other stuff. So that's... And forestry stuff, and you think it's, it's got a, it's theater. It's theater, coach. <laughs> All right, big dog, save that thought uh, from fish tacos to the NFL draft to college hoop. It's been an enjoyable discussion with you, my friend. Yeah, I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> Have a great day, everybody. A disgruntled big dog walks away. He had more to say. Talkzone.com, two guys in a mic. Bad chat to you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Have a great day.